My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website, hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. Well, guys, today we are finishing up the book of Romans. So if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles or in your tablets or in your phones, whatever you want to do, Romans chapter 15, uh, verse 14 is where we're going to be. And uh, this is basically... uh, you know, we've been, we've been going, we've done this in eight weeks, and that's because we've gone section by section, all right? So uh, if you follow the podcast or you follow the YouTube channel or whatever, as you've been listening to the messages or if you've been here, you've noticed that we've been following big chunks of the book of Romans because it's more of a thought-for-thought thought section. Uh, and then our deeper study has been, uh, we've challenged you guys to go in on your own and do a deeper study of some of the stuff we didn't get to really go into, but then also on our in our growth groups, we've been going a little bit deeper uh, in those. And, uh, and so today we're going to finish it out. And basically what this is all about today is Paul's final thoughts. Like Paul's like, okay, I've said all the things. There are a few things that I still want to say, but I'm basically, basically he's, he's kind of landing the plane with these thoughts right here. So uh, there's not really one cohesive thing that kind of goes through uh, these last two parts right here. Like it's just, Paul's like, oh, and this and this and also this, but it really all centers around the gospel because the whole book is centered around the gospel and like understanding the gospel, understanding our need for a gospel, understanding that God has given a gospel and, uh, and, and that gospel is Jesus Christ and that, and that we have salvation through him and him alone. And, uh, and so he's finally saying, and now here are a few last things that I want to say about the gospel. So we're going to dive right in. If you want to go to uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 14, we're going to go through this, uh, through a little verses, uh, kind of uh, go through some of the verses. We're again, not going to read the whole thing today. We don't have time, but you can dig in on your own time and I'll kind of share with you where that's going to be. So verse 14 Let's read 14 and 15. It'll be on the screen for you. And, uh, and if you want to read along, you can. Here's what it says in, in verse 14. Paul says, I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters. He's talking to his brothers and sisters in Rome, the church in Rome. I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things. What things? The things that he's been talking about throughout the entire book of Romans. He's saying, you know these things so well. You know the gospel so well that you can actually teach each other all about them. But even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all you need is this reminder. So he's basically saying, look, you guys know all the stuff. I know that you do. It's not that, it's not that, I'm writing to you because I feel like you needed to hear this stuff. I'm writing to you because everybody needs to hear this all the time. Even the people who think they have it, even the people who know it, even the people who are good, who understand it. And I want you to write down just, just a few points. Point number one uh, under, under 14 and 15 is it's good to be reminded of the gospel even if you are in a good place. It's good to be reminded of the gospel, even if you are in a good place. There's a hymn that we sang last week called Come Thou Fount. And one of my favorite lines in there, because it's a reminder to myself, one of, one of, one of the, the lines in there is prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. 
prone to leave the God I love. If we have a healthy understanding of ourselves, like we talked about last week, then we understand that our sinful nature that we deal with sometimes, because of that, we are prone to wander. So we, we know that we're walking with the Lord, but we better be careful because we as human beings are prone to wander off. We are prone to leave the God that we love sometimes and go off into doing our own things. How many of you can identify with that? Have you had a personal experience with that before? Yeah, hopefully all of our hands up because that's just who we are. We are human. We are saved by grace, but we are human and we can identify with that song. And how many of you people have noticed that sometimes in your fellowship, in life, your fellowship with God is so good. And then all of a sudden you don't seem as close to him and you find yourself struggling with giving in to temptation. Maybe a temptation that didn't necessarily tempt you as much before, now all of a sudden is something that's tempting you. Well, what's happening in your heart is that you're starting to wander from God. We're gonna talk about why that happens. There's a simple reason for that. It's because you have, and this is so simple, it's because you have forgotten the gospel. That's it. It's so simple but it's because you forgot to remind yourself of the gospel. And because of that, you start struggling with other things. We've talked about this before, but one of the most important people you need to preach the gospel to is not your family. It's not someone else. It's yourself. That's the most important person that you need to preach the gospel to. How many of you guys have ever flown on an airplane before? Anybody? Okay. Whenever you're on the plane... And they're going through their safety instructions and they're going through their safety demonstration, right? A lot of us just tune it out because we've heard it about a bajillion times. And since you have heard it so many times, uh, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. Whenever they tell you in case of, in the unlikely, they have to say that, case that there's a sudden loss in cabin pressure, what's going to happen? The masks are gonna fall down from the ceiling, right? But what do they tell you to do very first? Put it on yourself before you put it on anyone else. And why is that? Because they understand that you're gonna see a lot of panic. You might have your kids there. There might be some family there. There might be somebody around you that is struggling with it. And you're just like, I gotta, I'm gonna help these people. We're like, no, before you even do that, put it on yourself. And you're like, what, what kind of selfishness is that? What's well, not selfish at all, because you are no good to anyone if all of a sudden you don't have oxygen flowing into your system, okay? So they're like, look, the first thing you need to do, I understand that you wanna go and help other people, but if you immediately start helping other people, you might be able to help a few before you start needing really a, a lot of help. So they're saying, if you will put it on yourself first, well then, Superman, turn to the people around you, okay? And then start helping all the other people around you because you're gonna, you're gonna be a lot more useful whenever you have that oxygen pumping through your system. And it's the same way with the gospel. The gospel is the oxygen to your brain. We have to have that. Without a constant flow of the gospel, we will wander and we won't be very effective in assisting other people. If we are not preaching the gospel to ourselves first. You wanna be an effective minister of the gospel, preach it to yourself first. Get that care, get that oxygen, and then be healthy to go out and share it with other people. It's a pretty awesome illustration, and I hope it's something that you guys remember, but we have to be reminded of the gospel even when we're in a good place. In fact, I would say 
definitely when we're in a good place. That way we consistently are in that good place. And then number two, it's good to remind others of the gospel, even if you think they are in a good place. It's good to remind others of the gospel for obvious reasons, but we're going to talk about another one. If you guys uh, have ever read 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, look at what Peter is saying here. He says, therefore, I will always remind you about these things. What things? The gospel. Because he just got done talking about the gospel in the 11 verses before. He says, even though you already know them, and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. He's saying, you're doing well, and it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. Look, a good pastor constantly reminds his people of the gospel. Whenever you come to church here on, on Sunday or whenever you come on Wednesday, you're going to be like, man, he really likes to talk about Jesus and really likes to talk about everlasting life being in Jesus. Well, number one, the whole Bible revolves around that. So if I'm not up here or Trevor's not up here preaching about Jesus, we've missed the whole point of whatever text it is that we're talking about, all right? But also, it's important to share the gospel to a crowd, even though you think they're okay, or to someone else, even though you think they're okay, because you truly never know if someone is really saved or not. You truly never know if someone has really been saved saved. Um, I, I, I always talk about, you know, have you ever played these games where you're like, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? You guys ever do that? All right. And a lot of times people are like, oh, I would like to fly. Oh, I'd like to have like this awesome strength. Oh, I would like to like, you know, be, take, be invisible or something, you know, like we always say like all these really cool things. Uh, Eli and I will play a game and it's like, all right, like you pick the strongest superhero you can like power and I'll try to, I'll try to overdo that. And so to see who wins. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but you're like, but eventually we'll say something and he'll be like, I can't, he'll say something that might beat it. And I'll be like, no, you can't because of this. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Well, what about this? And right now he's winning. <laughs> like he's got the ultimate superhero power and I can't seem to break it right now. But if I could have like an ultimate superhero power, uh, I've always said this. I would love the power to be able to see who's saved and who's not saved. I think that'd be really cool. Because, man, I could just be very intentional, you know, whenever I go around and I'm sharing the gospel with people. Because I'd be like, like, I don't know how it would happen. Like, is there a light above their head maybe or not? Like, I, you know, I've tried to work out logistics, but, you know, it's, it's loose. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, that person is definitely saved. Then I want to walk out of the room and be like, me too. What's up? Right? What if you found out you weren't? <laughs> Never mind. But uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm secure, okay? Uh, but, but like, what if, you, I mean, if you could see them, then you could just kind of walk up to them. Or what if it was, went even further and be like, this person will be receptive to the gospel if you want to walk up to them right now and share. That would be really, really cool. But the fact is, is we have no idea. We have no idea who really is and who, who isn't. And here's something that I do know, is that there, are te there is testimony upon testimony upon testimony of people who have come to know Christ who thought they already had before. In fact, that's part of my testimony, that I thought that I actually was a Christian whenever I was in middle school and part of high school. And it turns out I was very wrong about that because somebody finally preached the gospel to me. And I, well, I mean, I, some people have been preaching it to me the whole time. I just wasn't hearing it. And then finally I heard it and I truly gave my life to Christ. Look, the truth is I don't, like you, there could be somebody sitting in this room right now and I could go, oh, okay, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody's saved. So we're just gonna, we're gonna go on to like some other stuff. No, like I don't, 
I don't know that. There could be somebody listening online. I have no idea. And so we continue to preach the gospel to one another because it's very, very important. And lastly, about this section right here. Um, so don't ever assume people are, okay? Always, always preach the gospel like, like they, they aren't. Um, I find it also interesting that Paul didn't write. This is arguably, arguably the richest book in the Bible on, on doctrine and theology of salvation, You'd be hard-pressed to find one that, that isn't richer, that doesn't explain it as well as the book of Romans. I mean, this is what it's all about. But do you guys find it interesting that he's, he, didn't, he didn't write these words to Corinth, who we would have thought definitely would have needed these words, right? Because Corinth, they were like, they were gone, right? So you're like, that's, that's the moment he's really going to, you know, speak the gospel to. No, he decides to give the most richest letter on doctrine and salvation to a church that's doing well, to a church that's doing okay. And I find that incredibly interesting. And that tells us and reminds us that what's important is, in, in, is, is for us to stay healthy, What's important is for us to stay healthy. So don't ever think you don't need to hear the gospel. We all need to hear the gospel, always need to hear the gospel to stay healthy. And then he goes on, and I love that he says that uh, to them. And that, that just reveals so much to us, I believe. But then he says in uh, the rest of uh, verse 15 and, and on into 16, he says, For by God's grace, I am a special messenger from Christ. From, from Christ Jesus. What he says in, in other translations, you might read like a priestly servant. He compares himself to a priest. He says, I'm a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. Remember the church in Rome was the majority of them were Gentiles at that moment. He says, I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. Paul says, I'm kind of like a gospel priest, if you will. That's kind of what he says here. He's like, I'm kind of like a gospel priest. Priests, of course, they are uh, no longer relevant in the fact that they're no longer needed for the office of sacrificing or offerings, okay? Because Jesus fulfilled the law. So they're no longer needed in that role or a burnt offering or whatever. Jesus was the final offering and there was no longer any need for that. But Paul is saying, in a way, I'm sort of like a gospel priest and I want to bring Gentiles who have come to faith and made pure by the Holy Spirit as my acceptable offering to the Lord. I think that's so cool that he's like, you guys are my offering to the Lord. All of the Gentiles who have come to know Jesus is what he's saying right here. That is what I'm going to bring to the Lord. And remember what God, what God required was a, a, a holy offering, a spotless offering. And, and who makes us clean? Who makes us spotless? The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ covering our sins makes us spotless. And so we are going to be offered up as an offering to God, really by whomever led you to Jesus, gets to lift you up as an offering to God and say, here's someone that I offer up to you as, as holy by the Holy Spirit, been made, been made blameless. And I love this picture of what he's saying of, as an offering to the Lord, that, uh, that offering is of the Gentiles who have come to faith. And I immediately thought of, whenever I was reading through this, Cain and Abel, because there was one offering that was acceptable and there was one offering that was not acceptable. In the book of Genesis, if you guys know the story, uh, Cain uh, and Abel, they, they are uh, the offspring of Adam and Eve and uh, they both are bringing an offering to the Lord. 
and one person's is rejected and one person's is accepted. Abel comes to the Lord and his offering is accepted. And it was an act of true worship, which is why it was accepted. An act of genuine response of gratitude and faith. Abel was like, I am so grateful to the Lord. You deserve the first fruits. You deserve the best of everything. And so Abel comes and he says, have it, Lord. This is my offering to you. It's the best that I have to give. And it revealed his heart. And that was, that was a, a gratitude of faith. I mean, yeah, a gratitude and faith. And God accepted his offering. And Cain just brought, it says, some of his crops. Uh, and it was an act that also revealed his heart as well. And it lacked gratitude and faith. And that heart was not accepted by God. Therefore, his offering was meaningless. And when I think about Paul's offering to the Lord, as he's talking about here, I see an offering, I see his offering similar to Abel. All of these people who have come to know Christ showed Paul's genuine response of gratitude and faith. A true response of worship for the mercy that God had personally shown him. Like, like Paul never got over his salvation. He was so excited about his salvation at all times. And it was amazing because it, it changed his attitude. It changed his actions. You didn't see a guy now who was just lazily doing things for the Lord. Like he was, he was out there and he was doing incredibly hard things. Why? Because he was so incredibly grateful. And he's offering up all these people that came to know Christ as an offering to God. And what's true in our current lives is we are, and this is, this is kind of a harsh reality, but we are continually presenting an offering before the Lord in what we are producing from our lives. Like I immediately saw this and I was like, what is my offering to the Lord? Like here Paul is being like, there's one Gentile, here's another Gentile, here's all my work, here's everything. Some Jews came to faith too. And then the Lord is just accepting all of these offerings. And then here I am like, what do I have? Like, what am I, what am I giving? And I was reminded of, this sermon by a guy named John Piper. And, and I'm sure uh, I may have mentioned this before, and maybe some of you guys have actually heard this sermon. If you haven't, I would, I would say go back and listen to it. But basically, he talked about this Christian couple who retired, all right? So they were old enough to retire, and, uh, and they decided, what are we going to do with our retirement? Oh, okay, let's buy an RV, and let's go around, and let's go to all the beaches, and let's just live it up at the ocean, and they were like, awesome. And people were like, man, I'm so jealous. That's awesome. You guys are going to go and you're going to live it up in retirement. It's going to be amazing. And so what they did is, and the thing they loved to do was to go around and, and, and collect seashells from all the beaches, all the different beaches that they had visited. And they had this awesome collection of seashells. And at the end of their life, whenever they both passed away, they passed away and they had this incredible, uh, you know, time at the beach and they had, you know, all of these seashells and everything. And then he told another story about two women who retired and they went overseas to go on mission in a place that was very difficult. And that's how they chose to spend their retirement. And they ended up passing away, albeit it was a much more dramatic uh, way that they passed away. And if you wanna go listen to this sermon, uh, you can Google John Piper Seashells. Just Google that and it will come up. But these, these other two ladies who passed away, what, what did they have to offer the Lord? And I think about these two couples and, and those two women their offering to the Lord was their lives as a living sacrifice that we talked about last week. Their offering to the Lord were all these people that they shared the gospel with. Their offering to the Lord was obedience. Their offering to the Lord was whomever it was that came to faith and were now standing in heaven because of them or soon to be standing in heaven because of them. That was an offering to the Lord. And I think about that other couple 
which I think is where most Christianity in America is today, that when they die and they stand before the Lord and they're offering to the Lord, it's just gonna be some seashells. How embarrassing. How embarrassing to stand before the Lord with seashells. Like, I don't want the, my offering to be seashells. I want my offering to be worthy of the life that was sacrificed for me. That's what I want my offering to be. And I hope that all of us would have the same heart and would be challenged and convicted in the same way because our lives are a constant offering of what we are presenting. Paul, at the end of his life, this is what he had to offer God, this church, these people. And it's not just the church in Rome, but many believers who came to faith through Paul's ministry. What's the accumulation of our offerings? Verse 17, let's move on. Verse 17 to 19. Uh, here's what it says. He says, so I have reason, all right, to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. He's like, this is all God. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs. They weren't convinced because Paul was an awesome speaker. They weren't convinced because Paul was a really handsome guy or he was really charismatic whenever he came through and he had the, the freshest kicks, right? He's like, that's not why people were coming to Christ in that moment. He's like, no, it was all because of the Holy Spirit, all because of the Lord. Convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. He says, in this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ Jesus from Jerusalem all the way to, uh, you, ever, you ever find words and you're just like, look, it happens to me too. You're supposed to say them with confidence. I did not. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're wrong or right. But look, Paul was excited about all that God was doing in his life. And, and look, here's what I don't want you guys to think. I don't want you guys to be like, well, I can't be excited about what God's doing because I don't want to boast. Being excited about things is not boasting. Being excited about things is what you should feel. Like with the Lord doing the things in life and all that God is doing in and through you, you should be totally fired up that God is using you in that way. But it also should bring you to hum humility that God would use someone like you. God would use someone like me. I don't, I can't, I cannot stand up here and go, look at these people that we have in church. Man, I'm a good church planter because none of you are here for me. Not a one of you. Every single story of every person that is here right now is because the Lord has led you here. Trust me, I go back and listen to my podcast and I'm like, how do people still come to church? Lord, like, I'm just, I'm just an idiot up here, like, just saying things, right? You guys can go find all kinds of awesome preachers out there that are way better than I am at these things, right? But here's the thing. Am I excited about what God's doing in Hope Community? Am I excited about what God's doing through Hope Community? Yes, 100%. But you better believe this. I will not boast in it because it's not my doing. It's his. And you want to try to rob God of his glory? Good luck with that. All right? You can try. But trust me, it's not going to be healthy. So we as believers in this church should always be excited about what God's doing. But always remember, kingdom credit belongs to God. Always. Verse 20 and 21. He says, my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. Rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. 
I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says, those who have never been told about him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. I love this verse, and I can identify with this verse, but one thing we need to understand um, is that this is descriptive and not prescriptive, all right? So it's descriptive in the fact that this is what God had called Paul to do, all right? This verse is not saying, and this verse is not for church planters to get out there and be like, hey, yeah, we need to be planting churches only in places where there aren't very many churches. No, you need to go plant a church where God tells you to plant a church, all right? That's where you need to go. But I love Paul's thinking in this though. He's like, I don't need to go where there are other churches. Why has he never been to Rome before? Because they're okay. Like the church in Rome is doing fine. That's why he's never been there to visit them before because they're okay. And, and I, you know, I automatically think about, um, you know, us and moving to New York City. Like there was a reason whenever God said, you know, go plant a church, there was a reason we weren't like, let's go plant that in Oklahoma. There was, a, because they're okay. Like Oklahoma's fine. They got churches and they got good ones, okay? There was a reason why we didn't go, let's just stay in Louisiana. They're fine. They're covered, all right? Like we were specifically like, no, God, God is specifically calling us to a place where there is, there's just not a lot of presence of the gospel. There are people, like he said, who had never heard the name of Christ before. And it blows me away. And one of the, one of the craziest stories that still speaks to me, even today, is this happened probably two years ago, whenever um, the Acosta's daughter, Ollie, was at school. And they were talking about, like, somebody they were grateful for, or somebody that they, was a hero or something like that. And, and Ollie mentions Jesus. And there were a couple of kids in her class who were like, who is Jesus? Like, never even heard that name before. So don't think that New York is exempt from the, like, don't think you got to go to like the 1040 window or these third world countries where people haven't heard the name of Jesus. It's here. Like it's here in this city. And, uh, and I want us to think of something. We have, this is kind of incredible. We have within only a few miles in any direction, essentially every tribe, tongue, and nation the world, in the whole entire world represented. Within a few miles of where we are right now, and that is insane. And many of them have never heard the name of Jesus. Even some New Yorkers have never heard the name of Jesus. Paul could have saved a lot of traveling time if he would have just moved to New York City. He could have gone to all the tribes and nations. I'm kidding. But listen, for you guys, you may not be able, I, look, I, I, if you're like me, your heart is for the gospel. And you're like, if I could go and share the gospel in all the places, but there are just too many. There are just too many places out there, and that costs a lot of money to be just getting on a plane and going to all these places all the time uh, to go and share. But one thing, that's, one thing that's really, really cool is that we may not be able to go to the nations to preach the gospel, but that's okay because the nations are here. The nations are here. They're in our city. Every nation is in our city. And here's another cool thought. Another thing we know about this city is that many people who live here, they're only going to live here for a little while. There's a lot of people who live here now who end up going back to their home country. And some of those home countries are inaccessible to the gospel. And one thing that I love about living in this city is we have the freedom to share Christ in this country. And we have the freedom to share Christ with people who if they were in their country would absolutely never hear it. But if we can tell people about Christ in New York City from all of these different tribes, tongues, and nations, guess what we're sending back to their home country? Missionaries. You can't go everywhere, but you can invest in people who are going everywhere.
we can do that and we have that privilege. And I just want to remind you guys of the incredible place where we live. So if any of you are sitting here right now and you're thinking, man, I would love to move back to the South, they're doing fine. Okay. They're fine. All right. You want to like stay here. Okay. I know that happens a lot of time. People all the time, like the greatest fear I have as a pastor is anytime people are like, can we have coffee? I'm like, no. Because I've had way too many coffees with people who tell me that they're not staying, that they're having to move somewhere else, okay? I'm telling you guys right now, the South is fine, all right? We need you here, okay? So just let that convict your soul, all right? So, <laughs> all right, verse 22, okay? He says this. In fact, um, he says, my visit to you has been delayed. He's been wanting to go to Rome, but he, and, and that's been on his heart. He really does. He's, he's a Roman citizen. He wants to go back to Rome. Uh, he says, but it's been delayed so long because I have been preaching in these places. And I'm just telling you guys, whenever you sit down with the word and you just meditate on different stuff, I mean, it, it's incredible because what God immediately spoke to my heart in that moment was that, you know, Paul really wanted to go see them. But he knew that he had things he needed to do first, things that God had called him to do first. And that was more important. And this reminds me of, 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 of my family. And maybe it reminds you guys of your family as well. Would I, would I love to live closer to family? Well, sure, right? I would love to live closer to family. Tamara would love to live closer to family. That would be an ideal thing. But here's what's true. We're being delayed in that. If it ever happens, we're being delayed in that because there are other things that God wants us to do first. And the hardest people to convince that of the people of is, is your family. Because they're like, well, it's also godly to be near your family. And you're like, yeah, but the Lord told me specifically to go here. And that's hard sometimes, all right? And so look, the South is okay. Your family's okay. All right? Like they're going to be fine because if the Lord has you here, then they're going to be fine. Like God's so sovereign, mind blower. God is so sovereign that he can take care of your family that's distant and take care of things here as well. Like we just trust that his calling is what we need to do. Our desire should always take a backseat to God's calling. In fact, I'll take it a step further. Our greatest desire should be God's desires. That should be our greatest desires. Um, and then in uh, verse 23 to 33, we're not gonna read these, but Paul, Paul basically lays out his plan to go visit them. And because we have the whole picture of everything, it's interesting because Paul is like, look, I would really love to go uh, and this is how I'm going to do it. And this is what it's going to be like. And I can't wait because we're going to encourage each other. And then he's like making all of these plans. But guess what happens to Paul? He never makes it. Not on, not on those terms. He does end up making it, but it's a few years later and it's under completely different circumstances. He now goes to Rome as a prisoner. He wanted to go to Rome to encourage the church and for the church to encourage him and then actually send him off into Spain. Like that's actually what Paul was wanting to happen. And he kind of makes all of these plans for that to happen. But then the Lord complete, whenever he goes to, de to deliver the offering in Jerusalem that he's been collecting this whole time, that's whenever he gets arrested. And it's not until he appeals to Caesar several years later that he finally gets to go to Rome and he's in chains whenever he does so. He does finally make it to chains or make it to Rome, but it's in chains. And one thing that I was reminded of is, is uh, the scripture where it says like, uh, we can make our plans and we, we should make plans. It's not wrong to make plans, but God is the one who what? Directs our steps. We have to always keep that in mind. Make your plans, but God is the one who directs your steps. I had an awesome plan whenever we moved to New York City. I can show it to you. 
It's in Microsoft Word. It's got colors and it's got like, I mean, it's a chart. It's awesome. Whenever we moved here in 2019, it was like, here's my plan. And I can read it to you. By this date, we're going to have this. By this date, we're going to have this for the purpose of launching on this date. And then what? <laughs> Whoever saw that happening, right? COVID happens and God's like, look, <laughs> there your plans are cute, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but you need to, you, I'm fixing to direct every step along the way. And look, do I regret any of it? No, God led us exactly to where we are right now. And it's exactly where we need to be. And I love that. So make your plans, but just be, realize that God's going to be the one that's going to direct your steps in that. And don't fight back. They're good. They're always good. All right. Um, chapter 16 is where he goes into next. And uh, in verses 1 through 16, you can go and read that. And in 20, 21 through 23, um, in fact, I encourage you uh, to read that section maybe this week. But Paul's basically just being like, tell so-and-so hi and so-and-so hi. He's like, oh, and, and this person as well. And then he's like remembering all these people. And he's like, oh, and so-and-so as well. I mean, they're awesome. I love them. They served with me for the, for the sake of the gospel. Be sure and tell them I said hello as well. Like, I love that section because Paul is just saying like, hey, these are all my buddies. These are all my friends. Like, I want you guys to make sure that you tell uh, all of them that I said hello. And, uh, and so go back and read that. But it showed me a, a couple of things um, and two uh, specific things. Well, actually, let me back up because first of all, the people that he goes and he's like, be sure and tell them hello. They're not like people that you really have heard of. There are a couple of them, like Priscilla and Aquila. Like uh, you've probably heard of them. Um, so they're in that. But the rest of them, you're going, who in the world is that? Because you know why? They're just regular church people who have just been working for the gospel and working and working and working. Just, they're no, they're not like the special like pastors or apostles or anything like that. They're just your everyday people who came to know Christ and are in the church and are diligently serving in the church. And it shows me a couple of things. Number one, the importance of Christian friendship that is rooted in the gospel. It is so important that our deepest and closest friends are rooted in the gospel. We have got to have that. Paul, I love this guy. He, he wasn't like a hermit. He wasn't a person who just went around and was like, all right, well now off to what I'm going to do. No, like he had a, some really good friendships. And I think that actually attributes to a lot of the health that Paul had in his sharing of the gospel was that he had these really good friendships with these people. So don't ever take for granted the friendships that you have, especially the ones that are rooted in the gospel, and make sure that you continue to cultivate those friendships. And number two, um, it also showed me how there's no better friend than a co-laborer in Christ. There is no better friend than a co-laborer in Christ, someone you have been in the trenches with. You know, whenever uh, you have friends that you call, right? in your life. Like people that you're like, man, I want to talk to that person. Or whenever you're around and you're in town and you're like, I want to go grab coffee with that person. Like, I want to see that person. There are those friends that you have. And then there's the other friends that you have. And they're your friends. Like, I mean, if, if you saw them, you'd be like, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Like, I give each other a hug. You're like, hey, we're friends, right? But you know who they are? They're the people that at the end of the phone call, you're like, okay. And yeah, tell everybody I said hi, right? They're just lumped into the everybody. But you also have these other friends who are your super, super close friends. And I started thinking about this in my life. Like if I were going to write a letter and I were like, hey, be sure and tell like so-and-so I said hello. Do you know all the people that I would be like, be sure and tell so-and-so I said hello. I was going through all these people in my mind. 
and they're the people who I have served my life with. Those are the people who have been my best friends in ministry, my best friends in church. They're the people who have come alongside and we have fought and we had prayed and we have shared and we have preached the gospel together and, uh, and, and we have just served together. Those are the people who ended up being my closest friends. And when I think about um, this church, I want all of you guys to be that type of friend. Like, I, I hope that I am afraid if we ever, I don't ever want to leave New York City, don't ever hear me say that. But if the Lord somehow leads me away from here at some point in my life, I want to dread coming back because of all the coffees I have to set up. Like, that's what I hope in my life. Because, because of how much we have just served together. And we're, we're pretty close to that. <laughs> we're pretty close to that. It's, it's pretty amazing. So that's one, one thing I want to ask is who are those people in your life that you're specifically like, tell that person I said hello. Who are the people that are like just the, oh, and be sure and tell everybody I said hi. And then also, who are you in other people's lives? Are you the everybody that gets lumped in and just says, hey, I mean, you're going to be that for some people. But who are the people that are like, I'm, I'm calling that person. I'm going to talk to that person. We need to have those people in our lives. It's imperative that we have those friendships that are rooted in the gospel in our lives. Um, Verse 17 through 20, Paul's going to give his final appeal. He's actually going to say something at the end also that we're going to read, but this is his final appeal to the church. So remember, if we've gone through and there was like a montage of slow motion with music in the background of all going through the book of Romans, right? We would see Paul say, guys, this gospel is really awesome. And then we would see him say, and everybody needs it. Everybody needs the gospel. Everyone is a sinner. There's every person falls short of the glory of God. And then he would say, but guess what? Like then we would see him sharing the gospel and laying it out so plainly for us. And here's what he gets to at the end of his book. Here's what he kind of gets to. Verse 17, he says, and now I make one more appeal. He's made a lot of appeals. Last week it was offer yourself as a living sacrifice in view of God's mercy. He's made a lot of appeals that we need a savior. But here's his final, his final appeal. My dear brothers and sisters, watch out. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Everything that he has just said. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests by smooth talk and glowing words. They deceive innocent people, but everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of doing any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He's given them that, that hope, that joy. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. This gospel, these truths, he's saying that I've so carefully laid out in this letter, protect it. Protect the truth of everything that I have just said. It's the most critical information. Listen to this. It's the most critical information that has ever existed. And it has to be exactly right. It cannot vary in one way or the other. It has to stay true and it has to stay right because one variation from the true gospel is the difference of eternity spent with God and eternity separated from him. 
So he's saying, protect it. Don't fall for it. There are going to be people who want to come in. They're going to want to say other things and say that you're saved by another way other than grace through faith in Christ. And that's not it. He's saying, protect it. Because if you protect the gospel, if you protect this message, you are protecting the salvation of the people who are coming after you. So may this be a warning to us as well, who have walked through the truths of Romans together. There will be people who will try to distort the gospel of Christ. And what is the pure gospel of Christ? Let's just remind ourselves. Let's preach it to ourselves. And we're going to walk through something that, that, that has been deemed the Roman road. But Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If there's anyone out there that deviates from that, they're wrong. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of life is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's an absolute truth. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You cannot deviate from that. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Those are the things we can't deviate from. Those are the things that we have got to protect. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And then I love how he ends it in verse 25 to 27. I mean, what, this is just, I, I'm getting emotional, like knowing what's coming. Here's what he says, 25. Now all glory to God, who's able to make you strong, just as my good news says. He says, all glory to God. This message about Jesus Christ has been revealed. His plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. What a beautiful way to sum up an incredible book. To end an incredible book. What an amazing God we have and what a privilege it is to serve him. It's an absolute privilege. And may we always be mindful of the depth of our sin and the gracious mercy of a savior. And may it lead us to go and present our very best offerings as we live lives of worship. I pray that's what comes from our time that we have spent in Romans. So what I would love to do is um, just take uh, just a little bit of time to allow you guys uh, to go to the Lord in prayer. But I want to remind us of the amazing gospel story of everything we just read. Remember at the beginning, Paul was like, I got some really good news. And this good news isn't just from a king. This good news is from the king of all kings. And what this good news is, is that he sent Jesus Christ so that we could be saved. And then he says to us that we have the privilege to go and we have the privilege of sharing that with other people. 
we have the privilege of, of presenting offerings. We have the privilege of living as sacrifices, living lives of worship in view of God's mercy in our lives. And I hope that what, what comes from this is a heart that loves God and loves people and desires to bring hope, which happens to be our church motto. Loving God and loving people and bringing hope. That's what I hope it is. And I, and I hope that you just surrender yourself to the Lord and say, God, use me however you want. Use me in who, who, whoever's life that you want to use me in, use me. And I'll follow you. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.